Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked to Matias Del Campo. He's a co-founder of the architectural practice SPAN and a director of the Architecture and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory at Taubman College of Architecture and Urban Design at the University of Michigan. Talk about fascinating. I know that there are some in our community that are a bit wary of all the high-tech metaverse and NFT-type topics this year. Maybe you are too. I also know that there's a popular fear of what artificial intelligence will do to the practice of architecture. But if you're in that camp and you give this conversation a chance, you may see the future of the profession through a different lens. Matthias opened my eyes to some misconceptions and some realities and frankly, some practical truths about what AI is, what it will be, and how we'll use it. 
or maybe how we're already using it. Bum, bum, bum. As usual, Catherine McPhail joined me for the conversation with Matias Del Campo and backstage afterwards. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and a podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Matias Del Campo. We talked about AI and architecture and you know, it's another, it's another foray into the, the high tech, I suppose. Uh, we've done that a few times now over the past month or two, mainly talking about the metaverse and now, now delving into AI. And I think it's fascinating and mind blowing. And I, I guess I can see how, how some people see it as scary perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but I, I, these are the kind of conversations that I just love thinking about the future, I guess, of, of practice and, and, and beyond. So, uh, I yeah. really enjoyed the conversation with Matthias. Yeah, I, I think it's really exciting just to think about the different possibilities and how our lives could change if these things like the metaverse or AI really comes to be, comes to pass. And it just seems to me this whole AI has gotten more creeping more into our lives all the time, kind of like this video chat thing. <laughs> now we just don't think it's amazing that I can see you while I'm talking to you, which right. It's pretty amazing, but we don't, it just happened. So we don't, we didn't have a, a day when it was like a big deal. And it's the same with AI. We have Siri, we have a bunch of other little examples of it in our lives. And it's, they're just going to grow bigger until one day we realize that it's all around us. And it's just a gradual thing. Towards the end of that conversation, he talked about how AI is already a big part of our lives, you know, and all these algorithms that are, are running this, that, and the other. And like you said, Siri and some of these other tools. And I think many of us don't either, either don't realize that, um, or don't realize that that's actually AI or just like you said, we, we haven't noticed it. It's, it's like, (laughs) this is a terrible, terrible adage, but, but you know, the way to boil a frog is not to throw a frog into boiling hot water because they'll just jump out, but to, continually, you know, put them in room temperature water and then continually increase the, the temperature. And that's no, it's, it is a bad, it's a bad example, but I, I think that's, that's actually what's happening, right? It's, it's just becoming a part of everything. And it's becoming more convenient, right? So all these things that know us already and they don't have to ask us our preferences, I, that's kind of welcome from by a lot of people because it just does make life a little simpler, right? And I think that's yeah, what AI yeah. is going to continue to be. Not as as one interesting thing that he said is that we have to just forget about RoboCop and forget about Matrix, forget about those. They're they're not going to show up like that. Yeah, there there is a direct question about, um, you know, base, basically AI taking over and, and completely displacing architects, et cetera. And he says it's not going to happen that way. Uh, we have to, we have to view it as a tool. And, and 
I, I think that point that you just made is a really good one, right? Where AI is a series of tools that can make our lives more convenient, can make our work more efficient. He talked about that, you know, basically taking some of these mundane tasks or the tasks that don't necessarily need the creative aspects, you know, code analysis and things like that. Why, why do we keep doing that by hand? It was, was one of the uh, mm-hmm. points that he made. And I think that's an excellent point, right? Why is it that someone in your office, whether you're a one person firm or a, you know, a 5,000 person firm, there's someone sitting down in your office that's looking at a, a floor plan and analyzing all the, all the code requirements, right? Your, your exit distance and all of those things. Why, mm-hmm. right? Why do we keep doing that? Because it's something that can easily be passed off to, you know, for the sake of this conversation to an AI driven program, perhaps that can do that analysis and, Highlight in red. Hey, here's a problem. Here's a problem. There's a problem. And if, and if you use that, how much time would it free up to be, to do the things that you really wanted to do, whether that's design or whatever aspect of the business that you truly love and, and truly deserves your genius, your skills, your craft. To me, that's the way to look at it. Ever since we started Stan, we always thought of technology as being something that gives us an edge versus the larger companies. So if we are able to, to, to handle it and, and understand better than the large companies, we can compete with them. And uh, I think this is still true today. So for, for companies that are like mid-sized, small-sized companies, AI can be enormously powerful because it can help you to reduce the amount of, let's say, work that actually stops you from designing. Uh, one thing we have been thinking about, for example, is wouldn't it be great to create a neural network that is able to check your plans if they are according to code or not, instead of you having to go by hand through that, for, for, uh, uh, you know, day by day by day, trying to figure out if your building is on code, wouldn't it be great to just to just feed in a sketch of your of your plan, and then the neural network basically like 10 minutes later spits out and says, well, you see that that part here has to be different because it's not up to code. Completely mundane tasks in, in the architecture office can be reduced, I think, using neural networks to the point where you as a designer can put more time in designing instead of, you know, making lists or, or trying to figure out if it's up to code or uh, trying to figure out how much material it's actually using. Yeah. So those things, or if it's, or for example, how, it, what's the ecological footprint of the building much faster than we can do it now. Uh, so the advantage of those things. On the one side, I see the possibility for offices to just, you know, move those mundane tasks to the AI world and rather focus really on what is interesting to you, if it is design, or to be faster, like in, in terms of engineering, for example. Like what if you have a neural network that can, uh, for example, propose a variety of different structural systems for your building in just a couple of minutes? So all those things are going to be great. Caitlin was talking about how she doesn't think AI is going to take over the creative side of architecture. It's going to be the mundane construction documents, other code analysis, like you just said, that sort of thing that will free us up to do more of what we want to do. And then she pointed out that, have you ever read a script by AI, you know, where they supposedly teach them about, um, you know, what a romance novel is like or something like that. And then you read the resulting thing that AI spits out and it, it's not, 
threatening in a creative way, <laughs> meaning like it's not going to take humans job away from writing or, or like poetry or, or stuff like that. It's just, we, we humans still need to be tapping into our creativity and giving that to the world. I don't think that's going to be able to be done by AI really. I, I so. think that's a really a good point. A good example. I use a, an AI program. It's called Jasper now, but for the owners of, of Jarvis, I think there was a real miss in your rebranding, a real missed opportunity in your rebranding. It should just be called the AI program that used to be called Jarvis because nobody, nobody remembers what it's called now. So, you know, just, just run with it. But, but to Caitlin's point, I guess, when I use that, so I can, if I'm doing, if I'm doing a larger piece of content, um, it's usually best to start with an outline and, and start with a description and, and start to, to set up the idea of whatever this is that I, I need to write. And then through basically through commands, you have the AI fill in the blanks. But if I were to take a step back and say, okay, I just, I just wrote this thousand word article or, or, you know, this chapter of this book or whatever it is that I'm working on, if I were honest about it, I would say that probably the AI has taken care of about 40% of it. And probably the most important 10 or 20% is that creative piece of it. It is that my voice piece of it. It's, it's all of those things. The rest of it, um, this, this is going to sound weird. It sounds weird in my head even. Um, but the rest of it is not necessarily all that compelling. It pulls in, it organizes really well, and it it expands really well, and it and it'll pull in research, which is very valuable. Um, but it it does not replace the the human creativity piece of it, and I, I think that's important to to understand. People whose jobs are taken over by um, automation of some kind, like, and they have the universal income, and then um, the idea being that then they are free to be creative, right? And because AI can't be creative like humans are, as you were just saying, but, um, people just don't, people are afraid. I think people seem in our community seem afraid that, uh, it's going to take over our jobs and we won't have any jobs, but I still feel like we talk about architects being, um, able to do because of the way we're trained to think able to do a lot of different jobs. So I feel like there's no way we're going to just be unemployed, unemployable. And if we wanted to go out you know what I mean? I don't see, I'm not afraid of it, I guess is what I'm saying. It also doesn't seem imminent. So. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and Matthias agrees with that. We found out in the conversation yesterday, he doesn't think that this complete displacement of architects is, is imminent or maybe even that it, that it would happen. Um, I, I can understand that there are people that find the idea of universal income um, I can understand there are people that find that a hard pill to swallow. They have their reasons for that. You know, we're, we're going to have to take up another conversation. And, and he actually offered, Matthias actually offered, there's a whole philosophical side to all of this. And my goal is to going to be, is going to be to get Matthias back in a couple of months, maybe to continue this conversation and cover the philosophical piece of it, because I think it's fascinating. But back, back to your point about, you know, jobs being replaced. I, I, I don't, honestly, I don't care where you fall on 
universal income. I, I really don't. But if you're, if you're afraid of your job being displaced by AI, maybe the first question I have is, what about all the people across the entire history of humanity that have continually been, quote unquote, displaced by technology, whatever the new technology is? Everything from coal miners to auto workers to journalists to, I mean, right. It's, it's called, and this is, this, I understand this is going to sound harsh and on some level, I mean it to sound harsh, but it's called progress. And I think what we really need to do is first of all, look at what the true value of an architect is. What is the actual value that you generate as an architect? Is it the blueprints? The quote unquote blueprints. If that's the case, if that if that's what you think your value is, then you know you need you need to make some business choices. You need to make some some choices about that because yeah, I I think there's potential for an AI to displace you if that is the only value that you think you bring to the table. But if you think there is a, a larger value the create the creativity piece of it, you know, these things that we were talking about earlier, then first of all, we're, we're finding out, right. That the AI is not doing that, right. The AI doesn't have the human creativity. So why don't we just start looking at AI and all of these technologies that, that frighten us for whatever reason as what they truly are. It's tools. And how do we implement these tools? And, you know, to make our, to make our lives easier to, enhance the value that we do actually bring to the project to take over those mundane tasks. Um, you know, let the AI do what it's good at and we do what we're good at. Right. Like the, the, for example, the program I use now is a BIM program. I create a 3d model in it. I, um, it automatically dimensions if I want it to. And of course it doesn't dimension what I want if I don't exactly tell it what I want. So there's a lot of input for me still required, but the amount of time it saves me from back when I used to hand draft, or even when I did AutoCAD and tried to do any kind of renderings or perspectives or anything, it is amazing how it's just amazing how much time I save now. And does that mean that in a different parallel universe where that doesn't exist, there are six people working for me who are, who are completing all the work that that program is doing. Maybe, maybe, but the way it comes out, it's just happened so naturally and gradually that I can have my own office and have maybe a couple consultants working for me and have this program make my life so much faster and easier and, and their lives so much faster and easier. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors, Systems and Standard Operating Procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm 
so that he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass. And then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free. It's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to the conversation. As, as we're talking about this, one of the things that's crept into my mind is people are going to say, oh, well, then if that's the case, right, if it makes it more efficient, et cetera, then clients are going to expect things cheaper and faster. Again, that's, that expectation is always there. I don't, I don't think that changes necessarily. And I think it brings us right back to the question of what's the value that you actually bring is cheaper and faster the value you know we, we can get into all again all kinds of business and philosophical conversations about you know hourly rates and you know value-based fees and all of these things but but it all comes back to um you know what what's ai going to help us do and as matthias said somebody has to teach the AI. And as I said, I think it's so exciting. The idea that I would have this tool available to me, I can put in my own preferences and, um, which I already do to the BIM project to a certain extent, but it doesn't generate the design necessarily. But to me, that's really, I, I can't wait. And he says it might happen within two years because I was also the, the two years that that, that thing that I'm talking about could actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. A program, you know, or, or an app, something, something that, is actually consumer ready, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Kind of generate solution. Yeah. But I'd have to put in all the information, like here's the view that they want. Um, and then I would have certain parameters, like never have a bathroom off the kitchen. Like that's just not, I don't care what you do. You can't do that. So then there never would be that. And that's just, you know, a very simple standard that I have. That's the low bar, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think it's great. And then, you know, they want this amount of square footage and they want this adjacency and they want this. I mean, it's really, um, anyway, even if I had someone, a, a machine kind of design something, I would be tweaking it, of course. So here's the thing. I mean, movies like Terminator and The Matrix and so they all fall for me into the category of comedy because this is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, Again, we are attributing, I mean, this is exactly why, for example, this whole um, anxiety about AI comes from, in my opinion. It's, it's just a, a Hollywood construct 
about something that actually does not exist like that and most likely will never exist like that because it's so complicated to achieve it. Uh, just very briefly here, there's like this, this, this distinction between generalized AI and um, I'll call it expert AI. I think that the term is different, but let me put it that way. Generalized AI would be something like, you know, the machines in the, 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 the agents in the metrics or the Terminator. So machines that basically can do what we as humans do. So I'm sitting in this chair. I'm not falling down. So I'm maintaining balance. I can have this conversation with you, but at the same time, I'm thinking about my next thought. I can see you. So I have a visual input and so on. Uh, at the same time, my heart is pumping. My lungs are actually uh, getting breath in and out and so on. Like there's all these processes we even are not conscious about, but they're happening in our body all the time. And each one of those is a highly complicated process and even more difficult to encapsulate in, a, in an AI. Yeah. So uh, this is very, very hard to achieve. And uh, the whole uh, evolution or process of generalized AI actually grinded to a halt in the last couple of years because we came, became aware how complex it is actually to achieve that. So like robots that really look like humans and behave like humans and so on, like everything we see in all the science fiction movies, uh, Commander Data in Star Trek to um, Eva in in um, Ex Machina. I don't see that happening very soon. I was saying this morning at Clubhouse that um, you know I'm a human who goes in and talks to other humans about what they want and their emotional attachment to things and all these other aspects that a machine isn't going to be doing with them. And that I would be a person that they can rely on. And that I think that's a different feeling than um, just answering questions on a program, you know? So, yeah, I don't think architects are the ones who really kind of need to worry about their profession being taken over by AI because, um, you know, writers, painters, architects, um, you know, maybe if you are, I don't even know what, what professions could be taken over completely by AI or robots car manufacturing i don't know i mean humans are going to be necessary at some point always yeah even even in car manufacturing where you know I, there were a lot of jobs lost right when robotics came into the assembly line but there's still somebody designing and programming and you know doing doing all of those pieces of it and when you were just talking about human interface it makes me think that okay well what would you do what 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 would it be like if we replaced those potential buyers with AI, the AI could go through all of these different iterations, right? And come up with different designs that maximize views and, and you know, this layout versus that layout, like you were talking about in, in the house design with the eventual goal of maximizing all of this for the, the users and the developer, et cetera. And it would be, it would be exponentially faster, more efficient, all of those things. And somebody might say, oh, well, oh my gosh, you're taking the human out of it, but I'm not because the human has to input all of those things. It doesn't come from the AI. It comes from whoever input the information. Yeah. The AI can't make it up, right? The no. AI can process it and synthesize it, but it can't make it up. And I think that, yep. you know, as I... You know, I'm just always looking for these intersections between this guest and that guest, et cetera. But that's an intersection I see. You know, that's mm -hmm. a way that I see AI could make architecture better in a, in a very broad yeah. sense. I think it's full of possibilities and exciting. And um, 
I mean, I guess there's a downside to everything, but there's also, okay, there's not an upside to everything, but the metaverse, AI, these things can be really, could be really exciting. I, I look at it in two ways, I guess. I think number one, it's happening, you know, um, whether you like it or not. Um, now, Matthias did say that there's there will always be a niche for people that decide, hey, I'm not even going to use computers. I'm going to do everything by hand, right? I'm going to sketch and I'm going to, so that, you know, if if that's the direction you want to go, that's available to you, right? To continue the skills that, uh, this is, sorry, this is ageist, but but um, but the skills that you may have learned in, in school, you know, we, we used, you and I were in school at a, in a similar time. Um, we, we did a lot more things by hand than we did by computers. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. And I personally am so happy I have computers to do it now for me. If that's what you want to do, more power to you. There will be people that, that value sure. and are fascinated by that type of craft. And, and that's great. Sure. That's fantastic. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is, again, it's happening. And so I want to know how to harness it. I want to know how to take advantage of the tools. You know, I, I, used, to, I used to build more things. You know, I, I have worked as a framer before. Mm-hmm. I enjoy construction. I enjoy that, the hands-on aspects of it. Would I ever want to go back? to this room that i'm in is is basically it it's it's full of craftsman trim right now and so it's got the the boards and the battens and the shelves and the brackets and everything else would i want to retrim this room using a hammer rather than a pneumatic finish nailer and the answer is not on your life mm-hmm. right but i mean that's in a way that's what we're talking about you know, it's, it's an advancement in, in tools. Yeah. So I want to know, um, I want to know how to use those tools and am I going to develop, um, algorithms and, you know, program AIs and whatever the, all the proper terms are probably not, but I want to know. No, you probably will. Cause that's what you're going to have. <laughs> well, to do. so I guess bringing that back around, I, I, one of the so this was after I think this is after we uh, the live broadcast ended and we were talking about it uh, with Matthias and he talked about CAPTA and and seeing oh, all yeah. of those um, you know when you go to log in sometimes you get the little Bicycles. images and click every one that has a bicycle or a stoplight mm-hmm. or whatever Th- mm-hmm. that that blew my mind yeah you said you're actually programming an AI when you're clicking on all the images. I had heard that. But then when I said, well, they're really slow learners, because I've been doing that same thing for years. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody has been. And when are they going to figure out what's a bicycle, what's a motorcycle? But then he said there are millions, they need millions of points of, of data. So um, yeah, so maybe they're all, they've moved on hills and mountains where I am. Mm-hmm. So um, like, what's the difference between <laughs> and a mountain? And I guess it's like our own life experience. We've had our whole lives to absorb all this data and understand this is a hill and this is a mountain. This is a bicycle. This is a motorcycle that we just take it for granted, but it's hard to teach machines that kind of thing, I guess, which is why it needs all of us. But then at the end, I was thinking about this last night after our call. And at the end, it checks off as saying, I am not a robot, which is funny because we're doing it for the robots, but they've confirmed that because you can identify this, you are not a robot. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing 
is wrought with irony and um and That's funny. you know as we as we talked about i guess at the beginning there's a deep philosophical um stream to this conversation to this topic that i i want to take back up with matthias in the future because it's you, you know that you mentioned the universal income idea um that's that could be a part of the philosophical piece. You know, it's, there's the, um, we, we touched on briefly, there's this idea of um, authorship and bias and, and all kinds of things that go into this that I think, I, I think most of us probably have never even imagined or connected with the idea of AI. I know I didn't until Matthias and I started uh, corresponding back and forth to to prepare for our conversation. So I'm looking forward to learning more and understanding more about this. Um, you know, as you said, it's, it's all around us already. So, you know, we, I, I think we need to understand what's going on and, and what we can do to shape the future. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE core for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. 
Season 1 featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.